Hello, and welcome to episode 106 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Jeremy Arambolo, comics creator of A Challenge, Soul Samurai, Rug, uh, sorry, Rogue Soup, and Bug, among many others. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my Constructing Comics co-host, Noah. Hey there. Jeremy, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, why don't you give the, the people a quick bio about yourself, and then we'll get into some making comics talk. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm Jeremy Rambillo, living in Los Angeles. Uh, we are talking during a very crazy time in the world. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the last book <laughs> I did was A Challenge, uh, which is uh, a comic inspired by an actual fight that Bruce Lee had in uh, 1964 that's become sort of an uh, urban legend. And uh, it was my interpretation of it. And um but I also kind of incorporated a bit of a personal story in there somehow. <laughs> uh-huh. um, in terms of what I'm working on now, um, I'm a little lost in terms of comics, but I guess we'll get into that later. So uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Very cool. I, 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 yeah, I picked up a challenge from you two years ago at Small Press Expo, and it was one of those books that me and my wife, uh, we recommend to a lot of people. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, whenever we can. It's just sort of one of those prized possessions of ours that we have up on our shelf. Um, it's, a, it's a great book, obviously. Um, where did you uh, get your passion for making comics, or I guess making art in general? Um, I think just, I mean, if we're going to way back, I'm just um, one of those kids that decided to just keep drawing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think... Um, is that everyone draws and at a certain point people stop drawing because they think they're bad at it and um i um it just um it's crazy it just it just reminded me uh being a kid and drawing like i had drawn hundreds of pages of comics as a kid mm-hmm. and um I, I i would you know sort of staple them and just show them to around you know friends and people would share them and um I don't even know how many hundreds of pages I had from like, you know, middle school to like maybe early high school. I lent this huge stack of all these comics I had done and um, uh, the kid lent lent it to a local comic store and then that comic store happened to burn down. (laughs) (laughs) And then all those comics are gone. But it's weird because as a kid, you, you didn't really or for me, you know, because I just kept drawing, it was like, well, that's horrible. And, you know, I never backed it up or whatever, obviously, because this is like, I think, late 80s, early 90s. And um, it's just weird to think that I had all these old stories that are just gone. I don't remember what they were. All I remember is that um, they were sort of of the Ninja Turtle school of comics, where I think there's a lot of anthropomorphic animals and... I don't know when I stopped doing that, but um, yeah, I, I wish I had those now because uh, I'm in a place where I'm just sort of struggling trying to think of um, uh, what I feel like drawing now. That's, yeah, and uh, what, what's interesting about like what you're talking about with sort of like the, the 90s Ninja Turtles things, Matt and I were just talking about that before we started recording about G.I. Joe and... Uh, <laughs> And part of the reason why we were on this podcast is that you posted that that those awesome G.I. Joe sketches recently. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, uh, that was, uh, I sent those to Matt and I was like, dig this guy. I was like, we need to have him on the podcast. <laughs> like, I have his book. So, um, when, uh, when, so like with a challenge, uh, I haven't read any of your other books. Are your other books sort of historical uh, yeah. as well? No, this is the first and only sort of period piece I did. And probably, yeah, it's probably the only one I'll do because it was a lot of work to try to um, stay in the world of 1964, particularly, like it takes place almost exclusively in uh, San Francisco, Chinatown in 1964. So it just, you know, to not feel anachronistic, I just would... You know, I, I went to um, Chinatown, San Francisco a couple times while working on the book just to take a bunch of photos. And I was fortunate enough that um, a lot of the structures still exist there. Like a lot of the, I guess, overall character is still 
um, pretty much there, which was great for me. And, um, but yeah, it, it was just a lot of work to keep that world in that particular era and that, that particular years. So that, yeah, that's um, the impressive part of the book is how much it stays in the one location and how detailed it is as far as the culture goes at the time. Um, yeah. Oh, I, but I, I lost track of the, okay, what was the original question? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was just saying it. I was just saying it's impressive how you, how you stuck in, in that time, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was wondering how difficult it was to stay in there as I was rereading it up to this point. Um, and so I guess with, with, with that, did you have like a passion for sort of that era? Because there's a lot of like references to, you know, uh, films from that time. I mean, it was, some of them, of course, are like, you know, analogs of those, of, of certain films. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think um, it might have started just from seeing um, photos of my parents from that era. Okay. Um, it just seems kind of magical that, I, I, I don't know if, if, be, if all people feel that way about a time that was just beyond them. Because I, I was born in um, the late 70s and... Um, so obviously I don't have any memories of the seventies, but um, it's that whole, you know, the decade or two before that I romanticize in my head, um, you know, and you look at those photos and, or old films and it just kind of seems, I don't know, it seems magical. It's hard to sort of put into words. So I think um, that, that like the early sixties just, here and then culturally like the music movies all that stuff fascinates me so um it it, at least starting the project it made it easier to get into it uh once i was drawing it obviously (laughs) it becomes a real pushing the boulder up the hill type of thing but uh, when conceptualizing it all um that was the most fun and then the story that itself about bruce lee's fight with um i'm trying to remember his name frank uh, uh, not, not oh, Wong, Wong Jack Man? Or, Wong or Jack, I, I just call Jack. him Jack Wong in the comments. Jack, yeah, Jack Wong. <laughs> Where were you introduced to that story? Were you just sort of a, I mean, everyone's a fan of Bruce Lee in one way or another, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that How did that story, like, you know, come to you and how did it strike you at the time? Um, I got an email, like, back in either 99 or 2000 of... Um, this article in a uh, black belt magazine that came out, I think in the eighties called uh, Bruce Lee's toughest fight. And um, it talked it in great detail about that um, fight. And to me, the most fascinating thing about the fight was the Rashomon aspect. I, I don't know. Have you guys seen the movie Rashomon? Or? Yeah. It's uh, Matt, oh, we were know, just right? talking about Kurosawa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, you, you know Rashomon, Matt? No, it's actually, I don't. That's the story where, like, it's a murder story told from. It's like, like it's, I guess it's, it's a really dark. Sorry, mur- it's, a, it's a rape, murder, suicide story told from the perspective of like three or four people. Yeah, yeah, and it's and, uh, and, yeah, and each sort of uh, party involved obviously has like a very different story of the same event, and the movie just kind of delves into what you know. I guess what truth is, you know, right. sort of, and they did, and then then the movie. It's not really a spoiler, but I guess yeah. the movie doesn't really explain it to you. You know, it just presents these uh, versions of the same event by these, you know, these two, these three very different versions, and then it's up to the viewer to sort of um, piece together what they think is true. So um, that I bring it up because that's kind of what the Bruce Lee, Wong Jack Man fight reminded me of because um, Mm -hmm. there were only about a handful of witnesses, but all of them had, you know, including Bruce Lee himself when he was alive, you know, and then Wong Jack Man in the rare times that he was interviewed. um, Of course, all their uh, stories about what went down is wildly different. So, um, you know, I did as much research as I could about just, you know, everyone's version of the story including versions that have been told, uh, you know, by other storytellers, like filmmakers, authors. Um, There is a lot to chew on already. And um, so, um, yeah, I I, I think initially there wasn't supposed to be a Frank Yoon character. I Mm -hmm. mean, the, 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 
the um cheesy version is that it's just like a shitty version of me that i uh, <laughs> i just pushed into the story because it was supposed to just to be about like when i was thinking about the bare bones of the story i just wanted it to be about uh the character jack wong uh wong jack man and bruce lee and then when when, when i was trying to write about wong jack man um i was i, I struggled because as a, as a living person there's almost nothing is known about him. He's just this completely mysterious person. And what's known about him is that he's just this kind of mysterious Kung Fu master. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, there's not a lot to, to you know, I, and I thought that would be a good thing going in that you would have this blank slate of a person. But then when I, you know, I, I've never studied martial arts and I, you know, I, I, I only have kind of a cursory knowledge about that world. So when I was trying to sort of, create him as a character as like the main character i just really struggled so i just threw this version of myself in there as his uh roommate and uh -huh. you know close friend or best friend and um then everything kind of came easier to me when i just sort of imagined myself in this world <laughs> yeah so yeah no that uh i i think that that uh that roommate character that that side character um that you created um certainly opened up the 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 human aspect or you know sort of like a, a personal connection or an aspect of the of the story where um you know could have very easily turned into you know uh, a knock em, knock em down you know fight uh, comic but with that it's it's it uh definitely made the the comic a lot more interesting to read <laughs> yeah i I, I agree completely, and it's it's interesting to see the sort of scale, I guess, of character between Frank, Jack, and Bruce. Like, bruh, like Bruce is sort of in the middle on like on the like the spectrum mm. of like extremely humble Jack. Then there's Bruce, and then there's like sort of like you said, a shitty <laughs> like a very <laughs> shitty person, Frank. Um, you know, like not not completely shitty because he's, he's he's got heart and he's like he's very noble and everything like that but he's he's sort of only in it for the glory kind of idea mm -hmm. and um you showed a side of bruce lee like where he's sort of in that middle ground where there's that the honor the respect for the martial arts and everything um but there also is sort of the showboating pride you know in the character and so like when you were approaching bruce like you know instead of sort of deifying him like a lot of people do you know where he's mm -hmm. sort of like this invincible person you don't like you know you don't try to wreck him but you show this very interesting side of bruce lee where did that inspiration come from um i think that was the side of him that always fascinated me because i think e even when i was a kid because um there's such a dearth of sort of asian american or asian heroes in general uh growing up here as an asian american so um you know you, you just you have a pretty small playing field and so right. that kind of let Bruce Lee to be the guy and because he was the guy and because he like you said he he's very much deified um I think naturally I, I want to sort of know the other side of that because otherwise it's right. well, perfection is boring and being a superhero yeah. is boring so and and you knew that was there even when you want it was always just under the surface that this guy is not always a nice, a cool dude. Obviously, and you wouldn't get to where he was without an insane amount of bravado. Uh, so um, that was super fascinating to me. And um, uh, I think um, it, it was my aspect with or my, my fascination with the, his sort of darker side or his, his less ideal side was aggravated just by how he continues to be portrayed mm. um you know and not to really throw shade at the uh you know the bruce lee family or the way that they sort of run his legacy but you know i i i follow like their social media and stuff like that and just right you know they they lean very heavily on like the philosophical aspect which is great i mean he he uh said a lot of really fascinating things about you know, he has a lot of really fascinating ideas about philosophy and balancing the whole be water and all that. Like, um, it, that that's all great, but I don't know. There, there's there's this level. I don't know. I, I just um, 
I'm kind of over the whole idea of him being this perfect. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get what you're saying though, because it, it kind of gets annoying when it's like this guy never did a bad thing in his life. And even in your book, you're not like tearing him down or anything like that. You're just showing a side of him that makes sense. Yeah. That, like, and, you know, yeah. Oh no, they're, they're, it just reminded me, there's this really great book. Uh, I don't know if either of you had a chance to, to read it, but by, um, I think the author's name is uh, Matthew Perry. It's, it's just called Bruce Lee. Okay. And as far as I know, it's pretty much a definitive um, biography of him. Like it's, it's extremely well-rounded. It really does delve into sort of the more human and kind of flawed aspects of him. And it's endlessly fascinating. And um, I think if I had read that book uh, before I started writing this, because I, I started writing this about, I want to say 2013, 2014. Okay. Like it was a while. Like it took me a long time to finish the damn book. but. Um, uh, yeah, I think if I read Matthew Perry's book about Bruce Lee, it would it would have been very different because there's so many amazingly fascinating stories about him in there, particularly about his friendship with uh, the actor Steve McQueen. Which oh could yeah, be, which could be a, just a movie in and of itself. Like, oh it's, really? <laughs> it's insane. Oh friendship. my gosh! And just all all the kind of crazy shit that went down when Bruce Lee <laughs> like was just getting started, like on the Green Hornet and things like that. Um, and you know that was like kind of that era is like briefly touched upon in the new Tarantino movie but a lot of it kind of pissed a lot of people off because it it's this sort of one-dimensional kind of cartoon version a depiction of Bruce Lee where he's sort of played for laughs and pissed a lot of people off like I actually enjoy that whole movie but and, and that part did wrangle me a little bit but I can see why that upset a lot of people yeah I was going to ask a question about about that did uh when you was that sort of that moment where you were watching that movie and and uh i don't know if there was any sort of uh you had read anything beforehand but when you you see bruce lee get uh you know challenge a guy to a fight and and have a fight that, that where you there was that sort of a surreal moment for you well the the most surreal moment about um my experience with the book was getting contacted by wong jack man's family and like oh wow um, they, they they invited me to a to a screening of a movie that was inspired by the same exact thing that I was doing a my book about, which which I I found out about this. It's a movie called Birth of the Dragon. That's what I was trying to remember the name of that movie because I remember when that came out like three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah, like it it killed me when I found out about that they were making that movie because I had already been about a year into writing and uh, thumbnailing the book. Like it took me about a year to to um, uh, to research, write the script, and uh, to thumbnail all two hundred plus pages of the book. It was like maybe a year, year and a half. It took a while, but after all that work, um, you know, it was about maybe two thousand fifteen, two thousand six. I forget what year, but I I had already done a bunch of work on the book when I found out this movie was being made, and I I freaked out because yeah. You know, I was like, well, how can I compete with this like Hollywood production and da da da? You know, I just, but I kind of. And you saw it probably, and you're like, oh, I'm okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's, that was the weirdest thing is that when I did see it, I saw it in, uh, like the premiere or one of the premieres in wow. San Francisco Chinatown with the Wong Jack Man family. It was nuts, and um. Um, yeah, I, I think watching that on this on the on the big screen and and seeing kind of aspects of that movie that kind of mirrored uh, things I had done in the book, and you know, I I think at the after party, I'm, I might have even it took me a lot of drinks to kind of muster up the courage to talk to the director <laughs> and just kind of uh, you know at a certain point ask him if he had read my book not in an accusatory way or anything like it's just kind of right. like well you know i had been working on because I, I was serializing it online starting oh. in uh, not too long after i started um drawing it like i was kind of posting it as i was making it and um so i don't remember the exact year but it was a it was a few years before the, the final book uh, came out so people were aware of it a while ago. So that's why I kind of 
I had the nerve to ask him, like, did you happen to? And he's, I remember he sort of kind of like, I think I remember reading some comic about it. I'm like, well, if you read some comic, it was probably <laughs> mine, but <Yeah>. whatever. Because <laughs> there are definitely some scenes where I'm like, this is like, but to be fair, we're, we're both drawing from something that actually exactly. happened. So I'm sure we research the sources. So I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare accuse them of like plagiarizing my comic or anything like that. But, you know, it might be one of those things where, um, I don't know what the term is, but like a parallel kind of like hive mind, sort of like collective. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's, it's like the raid and, and dread thing, right? Yeah, yeah, things like that. Or like yeah. a bug's but, life and ants and, you know, yes. things kind of happen parallel. Yeah, well, I, I find, like, one of the big criticisms with that movie is sort of how they approached the, like, observer character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, sort of, like, because, like, in that one, it's, like, this white dude, right? Yeah. And um, I, I'm a white dude, too, if you didn't know. But, like, uh, <laughs> um, but, but at the same time, like, everybody was sort of complaining that they were, like, wow, this is such a Hollywood thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, is just sort of cast, like, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed American guy to be like the main character. It's not even about Bruce Lee or, or Jack. Like they had to sort of have this, this guy be the, the audience, you know? Yeah. Uh, And um, (laughs) it's interesting about that is that like, and of course that's such an old fashioned way of thinking. And I, and I prefer your book more because like Frank is a much more relatable character. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, you see certainly, uh, well, I guess, well, I, I think it, Frank does have that in common with the uh, sort of American proxy in Birth of a Dragon in, 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 right. in that they're both kind of goofballs. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, they both get their asses kicked. But um, yeah, the, the funny thing about Birth of a Dragon is that um, I think that movie succeeded only when it became a total sort of superhero comic book like by the very right. end where it becomes like a buddy cop movie <laughs> that's where, where it got a lot of fun but like when they they straddled you know in, in an even more awkward way than my book did you know the the sort of straddling the the fact and fiction of it and um um I, yeah I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that movie but back to the tarantino thing like um it was weird seeing that. The, the, the thing that made it really weird about seeing uh, the Tarantino movie in the theater was the audience reaction. Because I think if I mm-hmm. saw that movie, or, or, or in particular that that's the Bruce Lee scene in that movie by myself, um, I wouldn't have been as bothered. I, I think I, I would have enjoyed it. And, um, you know, maybe I'm sure I would have felt those, you know, a little bit of that kind of like, oh, Bruce Lee's sort of a punchline here. That, that kind of sucks. But, you know, whatever. It's fun. And it's, it's his you know, it's just one little scene, this much bigger movie, so whatever. Um, but seeing, yeah. seeing in the theater where people, you know, laugh, like the, I was in a whole like theater full of people and people were just like laughing at him and it, mm. like, that fucking bummed me out. It just kind of, you know, it, 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 it's not maybe as bad as, let's say being an Asian American teenager in the eighties and watching like 16 Candles or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not that bad, but you know, it's still kind of like, ugh. I don't like being in this crowd of people and, and everyone's laughing at the Asian dude. Like, this sucks, so, yeah. Yeah, especially when you talked about, like, Steve McQueen in that film is treated with such reverence, you know? When <laughs> yeah. he comes on screen, it's like it's like Darth Vader's entrance in Rogue One. <laughs> like, it's like, but it is. It's like, it's like, it's treated so it's such, like, prestige, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah, Bruce Lee, like you said, he's sort of a, a joke, yeah. Um, because even Bruce Lee, I mean, uh, Brad Pitt even kind of like mocks his like, woo, you know, which yeah. is kind of funny, but it's yeah. still sort of like, you know, um, punch. It just felt like punching down still, even though it seems stupid to even use that term in regards to Bruce Lee. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, which the fighting aspect, I guess, and you sort of touched on this. And I, I had a question about like how you approach the fights in the book. Um, so were you just like, you know, researching a lot of like the martial arts that these two guys were using and that's sort of how you crafted the, the fight sequences? Um, yeah, I think, I think that the, um, you know, and then talking about the whole straddling the line between fact and fiction, that's where it, it was super, um, I almost said it was a challenge, but 
<laughs> Even the, that hey, name that's was, the name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that name was like even even coming up with that name was sort of an inside joke because I knew that going into this that it would be um, it would be tough. But like, right. I couldn't have known until I was really into shit. And yeah, to call it a challenge was a fucking understatement. <laughs> but anyway, I apologize for the cursing. I don't know. Oh no, it's okay. Um, no, Our no wives worries. swear way more than you. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, uh. Uh, oh yeah, so um, um, in regards to the martial arts, um, I was trying to strike a balance between um, being faithful to um, each guy's respectful or res- respective martial arts. Like for Wong Jack Man, it was uh, Northern Shaolin, and for Bruce Lee at the time, this is uh, pre or he had just, I think it was just on the cusp of um, coming up with his ideas for Jeet Kune Do, but he was still in the early '60s strictly Wing Chun, mm. and again. Um, not being a martial artist myself, like, you know, um, I've watched all the movies in the world, but that don't mean nothing. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know the nitty grits of those uh, martial art martial arts. So um, I kind of read up a little bit on both Wing Chun and Northern Shaolin uh, as much as I could understand it and um, really tried to choreograph that fight in a way that made sense. And also according to the different accounts of the fight. So, um, and that's where um, my book and Birth of the Dragon kind of lined up because I'm sure we read the same source material, but the mm-hmm. way we describe certain parts of the fight were eerily similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like the fact that, well, um, you know, before they shook hands, like Bruce Lee pretty much, some could argue kind of threw a cheap shot as the first strike. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing with Wing Chun is that you kind of um, go for you like you go for eye gouges, you go for like um, the jugular and for for like openly vulnerable spots like you know the crotch or whatever. Like you go for that right away to uh, incapacitate your opponent as soon as possible. So um, I'm sure to Bruce Lee that made perfect sense to you know just jump right in without warning. Um, but um, Ah, I should turn off my iChat. Sorry about that. That's all good. No um, worries. Um, but uh, yeah, and Northern Shaolin is a lot kind of more traditional, a lot flashier where, you know, it's a lot of big, like acrobatic kicks and um, like, it's very beautiful when, when, when you see it in practice, it's, it's super athletic, super acrobatic. And um, it almost seems even just in terms of each guy's martial arts, even those styles are, dramatically different from each other on top of the fact that as personalities Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man couldn't have been more opposite so I, I just wish that there was a that I could have depicted that better I don't know I, I struggle with that I feel like there's a lot to chew on there uh, stylistically and in terms of the choreography there's a like, yeah I was just gonna say I, I never really got like you know I, I was just amazed about how fast that fight and all the fights in the book move and it just seems like it's drawn with such technical proficiency that I thought I was like oh this guy must know his martial arts you know <laughs> I, I wish I did and it's I especially wish I knew martial arts now hearing about all the uh, hate crime and going around in uh, coronavirus times oh uh, yeah yeah it's a real it's a real fucking drag hearing all these stories like pretty much every day about um uh, people being super racist towards asians because of mm. you know their people are being blamed for this fucking virus and it's it's just so super disheartening and i it's funny talking about martial arts i've been thinking about that a lot lately and if mm. we weren't all quarantined i might try to take a boxing class or two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe i should just not? youtube videos i don't know but anyway um no, I like what I was gonna say is that, uh, earlier is that like um, I just wish that I um, I sometimes wish that I, I I spent more time on the fight somehow. I don't know. I just feel like maybe the comic could have been more action packed. I don't. <laughs> Still sure. got a lot of action in it, and but also at the same time, like Matt and I were talking about earlier, the book starts off giving you what this book is about and it's about the relationship between all the characters Mm -hmm. and sort of it's like this the the fight is sort of the backdrop for the time when all these characters existed and i kind of like how the focus of the book is on that you know 
like if it became a fight book, like Matt said earlier, I don't know, I think it would have defeated the purpose of it all. Yeah, I, what, what, it's funny talking about action because I feel like the, the next, you know, if I have it in me to do another book or series of books, um, um, I, I really want to, uh, um, I don't know if indulge is, is the word, just do a kind of bonkers, maybe superhero type of thing. I don't know. I, I want to do something. Yeah, I just want to do, because um, if, you, if you're going to, my, my biggest attempt at doing that was actually my first serious attempt at doing a full-size book, which is uh, Rogue Soup and Bug uh, with the group Kaiju Big Battle. Have you heard of uh, Kaiju Big Battle? Never have, no. I, mm -hmm. No, I, I, I think I've seen a little bit. There was an attempt to, I, I guess, a, a couple years ago to try, I, maybe it was like MTV or somebody tried to, to push it for a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, I think very briefly. I don't yeah. even know, did, did that air? I'm not sure. I, I either saw it there, I might have seen it online, but yeah, I, I, I kind of know what you're talking about there. Yeah, like, it's funny because I think that was around the time I kind of hooked up with that group because I, I was a fan of, uh, well, if you haven't heard of Kaiju Big Battle, they're sort of a cross between uh, WWE and uh, Godzilla. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so awesome. it's like people like in these like kaiju, these kind of giant foam rubber uh, kaiju uh, characters and they, they'll go into a ring that literally has... Um, cardboard uh buildings just strewn about the ring so they're like recreating these insane uh godzilla kind of kaiju fights but with the sort of athletic prowess of uh uh like indie wrestling because sometimes it, it is just like these ridiculous creatures just kind of slap boxing each other but they also get some people that do legit wrestling and uh acrobatics and it, it, it's a real spectacle and uh you know a lot of over the top kind of shit and um you know so I, I saw that back in college and i was a big fan of it and uh, a few years down the line i i met up with the creator i think around that time they were doing that um that mtv sort of thing that you're talking mm -hmm. about I, it was they, they were on the cusp of like potentially getting a much wider audience and that was, that happened to be right around i uh, met with the creative director so um to kind of jump on all that sort of momentum. I don't know who proposed the comic, if it was me or him, but we just started working together on um, what eventually became the book Rope Soup and Bug. It was basically the, uh, the creative director's name's Rand. Um, it was his idea to basically retell the Lone Wolf and Cub uh, the, the second Lone Wolf and Cub movie, just in comic book form with the kaiju characters. <laughs> he, he, he gave me, he gave me like this bare bones, like this like two, three page outline. And I just took that and kind of ran with it and made this sort of bonkers, just nonstop action book with these ridiculous characters. And even though it was a lot of fun, it, it, it posed this, the, the main character is a soup can. So <laughs> he has no face and like no way to really emote. And I did a whole fucking book around this, this goddamn soup can, which like going into it seemed insane. And as I was drawing it, I almost ripped my own head off because it was just, just posed all of these just constant uphill battles on how to make a soup can with arm and, arms and legs uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and i was uh -huh. yeah no but i was glancing at your website um and those are those uh available to to read on, on your website yeah you could read the whole uh rogues have been bug uh comic online like uh, unfortunately uh, like all my all three of my books so i have rogues have been bug um let's do this which is a compilation of all like my mini comics like i had mm -hmm. a mini comic series called let's do this for a couple years and uh, a challenge like all of those all of those are pretty much out of print because the uh print run for all of those were funded by the kickstarter i did for a challenge okay, uh, okay. a couple years ago and um all those are pretty much like i still have maybe a handful of copies of a challenge but i think on my website all of that is sold out unfortunately and i because they're 
um, self-publish. I don't know when I could afford to print them again. Like it mm-hmm. bums me out because I would love to still have physical copies to um, bring to shows. But because I don't really have any physical books or um, don't have anything I'm really actively working on right now in terms of comics, I don't know when I'm going to be uh, tabling at a show again. So yeah. I'm glad I got mine when I did then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Man. Thanks again for that. Yeah, excited that I'm one of the few, the chosen. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a special book, and uh, I really hope you get to make more comics at some point because it's yeah, you do have like I don't know, you have a very unique storytelling style, and I what would you say are your inspirations artistically and and sort of comics wise? Um, I think. Um... I really was inspired to take comics seriously once I got to like the, um, this sounds derogatory, but I, it's fun to call it a sad bastard comic, <laughs> <laughs> like sad bastard indie comics, like, like, uh, eight ball and, mm. uh, Adrian Tomine, um, like optic nerve, um, Charles Burns, um, like that stuff. I think in the around the mid nineties, I want to say mid late nineties, when I sort of stumbled upon sad bastard indie comics, <laughs> uh, that that really had an effect in terms of me actually wanting to seriously do it. Because before that, obviously, it was all superheroes or like kind of the Ninja Turtle, like black and white indie boom from the eighties, like Usagi Ojimbo. Um, actually, I I think the the comics that the indie comics that really pushed me uh was when bone and madman madman first started yeah okay. um, just the the idea of like it, it even though i love like the ninja turtle era there's something about bone and madman that kind of took the aspects of indie comics and sort of fantastical elements of superhero comics and kind of married them in a way that that was um that was unlike anything i had seen at the time um even though i'm I'm sure they had contemporaries are maybe doing similar things but um yeah i that kind of zeroed in on my sensibility in terms of um personal stuff and um kind of fantastical stuff uh which is a balance i'm still trying to figure out um like if I do do another comic, I, I do want to kind of fully indulge in kind of ridiculous comic book stuff and also be, per- I've never quite been able to um, to reconcile the two. Like I, I've done a lot of autobio comics and then just weirdo shit. And I never like, because I think you also mentioned Soul Samurai, which, and, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he'll get a chance to hear this podcast, but uh, it's been super frustrating trying to get in back in touch with the writer, uh, Queen Nguyen, who is super prolific, and he's 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 just he's always been killing it. I was always, I've always been a fan of his, but we we collaborated on that comic years ago, and we'd always been meaning to either turn that to a series or to work on another thing, and um. um in my mind, I don't know if I have it in me to do another book like a challenge where I'm just literally doing everything. Mm-hmm. I, I ideally, I'd love to do a collaboration, but I can't. Uh, he's the, literally the only person I could think of that I'd want to work with, but he's incredibly hard to uh, track down. Like you know, like uh, it. It's frustrating because I, I don't. I, I really do want to collaborate, but I, I don't. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't, I can't think of anyone I want to collaborate. He was like one of the only people and he's really, I pro- I sh- I'm thinking out loud here. I probably shouldn't be babbling about this <laughs> it's okay. in a public it's forum, not- but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating trying to track that dude down, but I get it. Dude is super busy, super yeah. talented guy and, uh, still a fan, but yeah, uh, it'd be awesome to do a comic with him. And, uh, yeah. 
Well, maybe now that it's yeah. out there in the in the universe, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe 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 we, maybe we can Make will that happen. into uh, into existence. We, yeah. if you're listening, hit me back up. <laughs> yes. At yes. the risk of sounding horribly desperate. <laughs> but, well, uh, well, Alan yeah. Moore, Alan Moore listens to our podcast, so oh, he does. Uh, there's there's always a chance. Holy crow! Wow. No, no, that's no, we're joking. <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll believe anything. So yeah. So um, if you're not working on uh, comics right now, is there anything that you're sort of funneling your sort of artistic energy into? Um, the last year or two, it's been mostly um, music. Um, that's kind of saved my ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of hit a big hangover uh, post a challenge. Like mm-hmm. I just was in the wilderness. Like, And, and getting finishing the Kickstarter as anyone that's done have you guys ever done like a crowd crowdfunding or kickstarter oh matt has yes i have yeah Yeah, so you you know it's like it's it's it can be a real um a a real uh slog in terms of like fulfilling all the um uh pledges and everything even even though obviously it's amazing to to have that you know, ha- have anything be funded, but then then it comes the time where you're like, oh, I gotta like get everything ready and sent out to people at a, you know, when I said I was supposed to. <laughs> like like you look at a deadline, you're like, oh shit, you know, you gotta make sure everything's printed and ready, and and you you're just making a lot of trips to the post office. So it was intense. Yes, was yeah, it's almost uh, there's the. Uh, the excitement of that sort of funding period and then there's the the real world of now that that's done it's the real world of uh i gotta you know i have a commitment that i gotta fulfill and you gotta you know work towards it and and look at that uh that that deadline and i actually am pretty bad i've i've never actually hit any of those deadlines i've always been a little bit behind so <laughs> it's understandable because it, it could definitely be especially if you're if you're doing uh everything yourself you know it's like you don't have like an assistant or, or someone to kind of help you out with the minutia of, mm-hmm. of getting all that stuff done so um you know because 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 uh, depend i guess it depends on how many levels of um sort of w- reward you have mm-hmm. and um so i I, I wouldn't say that I bit off more than I could chew, but it was definitely kind of, um, I was pushing it, I feel like, with some of those deadlines. So anyway, um, I just, um, I kind of hit a real tough spot after that was all done, after I got all the books out and um, didn't know what I was doing. You know, work was pretty dry. And um, um, yeah, I think just music kind of, provided a huge sort of solace and um i don't know i i did i did i fulfilled sort of a bucket list um uh late last year recording a record with uh one of my musical heroes um steve albini in chicago nice and, uh, it was oh, intense wow. and, and 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 that, that whole experience no, no. was made even crazy oh sorry no, I'm sorry. I I I cut you off, but I I just said, "Oh wow!" But I, I want you to continue the story. <laughs> but the, that whole experience is made even crazier. Well, I mean, we what, going into that experience is nuts because we um, uh, I did that album with uh, two of my best friends. We were in a band called uh, Poor and That Guy, and um, we we had always um, we done music traditionally in terms of writing, recording, but uh, we always felt that most comfortable. Um, jamming or improvising or whatever like we felt like oh uh can you hear me oh, yeah, yeah we can yeah we, yeah, we are. we're still listening i I just got i just got a message that said like your your connection is unstable and i was wondering if i got caught oh, computers are always trying to get us no you're you're, you're, you're good <laughs> cool but um but yeah real quick like um so we went into the record um with not with nothing planned like we had every intention to go in there and just make it up which we did but that was insane because um um we we booked five days of studio time and um i think if we didn't it would have been a disaster because we needed all five of those days 
to get to a point where the stuff we're just pulling out of our ass is actually <laughs> starting to sound cool. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so that was insane. And um, the even more insane thing was that when we got there, because uh, we were staying in the studio as well uh, in Chicago, and uh, the uh, it's uh, two two rooms in that studio. There's a room Studio A and Studio B, and the person staying in Studio B uh, that same week that we were there was uh, Kim Deal of the Breeders. So we're basically living with another one of my musical heroes. My gosh! While trying to make this ridiculous thing, and uh, it took a lot of will power for me to not lose my shit every day <laughs> just like <laughs> being in the kitchen with kim deal of the pixies and the breeders like eating up toast and me not trying to just be like you're one of my just <laughs> losing my shit every day just being oh good morning how are you and going into the studio and being like oh yeah we didn't write any songs what are we doing today <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing was insane but it was kind of a life-changing experience and really uh pulled me out of my doldrums and um so um, i'm super thankful that happened and then um we're, we're kind of still in the process of finishing that in terms of uh just design and figuring out how we want to get it out there but you know the the album is mastered and we're happy with it but um it seems insane to to to, to put out to try to to pitch this to to labels or to put it out or in any way shape or form just in the times we're living in right now mm -hmm, but pe mm -hmm. people still got to make shit and people are still promoting themselves or whatever but, and god bless them i'm glad they are i'm, I'm enjoying everything that people creative people are doing now but uh, just from where i sit i personally feel insane trying to to do that i have a lot of trouble being in like self-promotion mode or writing a pitch letter to a potential label for this insane album we did because i feel like everyone's got bigger fish to fry like who the fuck's gonna want to listen to this shit? <laughs> you know when, when they don't know you know all the music venues have been like everything has been shut down uh, what, mm -hmm. what actually i don't even um what what city are you guys at? like how are things where you are i'm in southern virginia in this little pocket in shenandoah valley and nothing's really well all out all the businesses are closed but mm -hmm. like you know we're pretty far removed from anything. Matt's different. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit south of uh, Baltimore, Maryland, um, and uh, there's definitely a lot less. Uh, I've only been out a few times, but there's there's a lot less traffic, um, and there's a lot of stuff that's that's closed down, and just sort of the bare necessities are are are, are opened up. So um, it's definitely strange and kind of related to what you were saying is uh, I've been developing a, a pitch for a while, which has got the unfortunate name of dying days. And it's a bunch of people, it's a bunch of people uh, uh, getting sick. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit, put this to the side for a while right now and just <laughs> oh, sort of wow. good comic though. That's and just sort of let, let that, uh, let that just sit until the world sort of is in a better place. Oh man. How, how long have you been working on it? It's been about uh, it's been about uh, maybe eight months or so. Um, it's it's almost you know pretty much ready to you know just you know submit to publishers with a Dropbox link and say hey check all this stuff out. But uh, I think I might I might uh, not be sending out those those letters right now. And that 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 title is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so. So. Um, I, have, I have a quick question about the, the music stuff. Uh, you said that you were working with uh, Steve Albini, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, because he did a couple of, uh, one of my favorite bands is a band called Failure. Um, they're sort of oh, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a 90s sort of spacey grunge rock band. And I know that he did, he did a lot of those. So that's why I said, oh, wow, when you, when you mentioned Steve Albini. Yeah, I wish I was more familiar with Failure. I Didn't one of them eventually go on to the band uh, Autolux? Am I thinking of someone else? No, you're correct. Uh, the, okay. that, 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 you're correct. Uh, uh, not, um, not Ken Andrews, but the, the other guy went into to, to Autolux. Okay. I, the one thing I remember from Failure is that they did a killer cover of uh, Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's but, glad, um, I'm glad to hear yeah, that. 
that the music is sort of uh, the, the way for you to channel um, some of your artistic, uh, you know, uh, urges, but hopefully you, you can get back into to, to making some comics soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys dug like the, the G.I. Joe stuff, because like, I think in the, it's been therapeutic for me just sort of um, during this quarantine lockdown. Um, I just because everyone around me or everyone in similar, I, I, I assume we're all in these circumstances of just trying to stay inside and, mm -hmm. you know, but um, be, being forced to be inside, I, I just kind of, and with all the uncertainty going around, I took this weird solace and um, just, just deep diving into the, um, the, the comics I loved as, as when I was like, when I was a kid and um that's why it was, it was funny kind of taking a trip down memory lane and you guys are asking me about like the comic site I grew up digging or what made me want to do comics is that um, to, to kind of go back even further to the sort of child lizard brain <laughs> and really kind of um, dig deep into the stuff that you dug when you were like, you know, like when you're younger than 10 or whatever around that age. And um, I still couldn't really tell you I, I guess I could sort of figure out why some of that stuff appealed to me. Cause like, I remember talking to someone about GI Joe and they were telling me how they're much more of a transformers person. And uh, even though I dug transformers and I remember he was telling me like, I never could get into GI Joe cause the whole military aspect really turned me off, which is crazy. Cause he's about the same age as me. So I don't know if he was like anti-military already as a, as a <laughs> child, but you know, that, that aspect that would turn him off to it. And uh, it was funny thinking about that because I never saw, even though it is all about sort of the army or GI Joe or whatever, and people just run around and like, army fatigues and guns and all that stuff. But I always thought GI Joe was more of a superhero thing. I always, it always registered to me as kind of a weirder an even weirder Marvel comic with more ninjas. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, like the, the, the freaky aspect of GI Joe is always what I kind of dug and that military aspect did not register to me at all. And, um, you know, I, I think I still have a bunch of sketchbook drawings I want to kind of flesh out and maybe just put on social media. But um, all the stuff I've been drawing recently has just been like stuff I dug as a kid. I think like the last thing I posted was like this drawing that I, I just spent hours on the other night of uh, Galactus. Cause oh, that was badass. <laughs> like I, I'd never, I never drawn Galactus. I, I don't know that I've ever drawn any Kirby stuff and I might have to change that because it's a lot of fun like Kirby obviously is a genius and all his designs are just so bonkers like it's a, it's a lot of fun to draw his stuff but um I just got I don't know it's just very therapeutic just kind of mindlessly filling in background stars and so like <laughs> filling in just endless depths of space because like I just the news is so fucking depressing that I just kind of like I've been find myself every now and then devolving into this kind of like childhood escape just to sort of remind myself why the fuck I'm even alive. <laughs> it's just so upsetting every day. You see the stats and just the way everything is. It's like, fuck, how are we going to get through this? And how am I going to, et cetera, et cetera. And, it's, and you tr trying to plan for even just months ahead and all that just seems absurd because every literally every day seems unpredictable so yeah I, I, i'm not usually this much of a downer <laughs> hey it's but it's i was gonna lighten it up by saying i was gonna lighten it up by saying your drawings uh, i am depressed too obviously who, who isn't is, is if, if you're not you're really sad in general but uh the but your drawings have been brightening moments of my day, you know, that kind of thing. Like it, it does add some light into these dark times. I'm glad you dig them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's hard not having money because I was like, Oh, I would buy that. You know? And oh, it's, man. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's great stuff. So, 
uh, a little while ago, we were talking about the, 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 the guy that you made Soul Samurai with, and you were, you were wanting to maybe collaborate with him. Did you ever read the uh, Michelle Fife uh, G.I. Joe comics? Uh, no, but I'll make a note to check that out. Yeah, oh, they're, ve- they're very much in the, uh, the, the vein of those 80s comics with, with the, the sort of the humor aspects he'd like to try, or he, not, not that he likes to try, that he, that he adds to it. So I would really like to see uh, a Michelle Fife written uh, G.I. Joe comic uh, drawn by you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be really awesome. Hell yeah. We might, be able to, we might be able to get you in touch with Michelle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I, I gotta check that out, Michelle. Well, I get yeah. I'll go. I'll just say how you spell it, but I'll, I'll just Google it. But um, I'm very bad at drawing military vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to learn that. But um, uh, yeah. Um, I was gonna say, I'll definitely check that out. I'm, I'm trying to think. I was just trying to think of um, comics I've been getting into, but all the stuff I've been getting into, I, I've been wanting to get more old back issues for some reason because mm-hmm. like talking about this sort of deep diving into stuff i dug as a kid it kills me that i only have a like a small box of like my old comics but the, the whole um sensation of um like uh, of flipping through or even just touching like an old comic from like the 70s or or, or 80s um that, that that kind of tactile feel of the old paper and the, the the way those things were printed has been um, really soothing to me, and I just mm-hmm. wish I had more of that. So I just have this insanely large eBay watch list of, <laughs> <laughs> of all these back issues that I remember digging as a kid, but I don't want to spend the money on. Uh, even though it's not like a lot of this stuff is really that expensive, although mm-hmm. I do have some pretty high-priced stuff in there that I really should take off the watch list. <laughs> drop like a hundred dollars on the first appearance of Red Sonia or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think one the one I've been looking for, and it was Matt introduced it to me. It's kind of dumb. I should have known about it, but the the silent issue by Larry Hama. Oh, that's guys, one of my favorites. That's one I I need a physical copy of, like an original, like you know. It doesn't even have to be in pristine condition. It just has to be a physical issue from that 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 time. Yeah, he, I'm a huge fan of uh, of Larry Hama. Like, not only, I mean, he's such a prolific writer, but um, he's a great artist too. And I, I, I oh, wish yeah. he drew more. Like, I feel like he didn't draw that many comics. But all the comics he did draw, you know, in the '70s and '80s, were amazing, especially in terms of layout. Like he. He wasn't, yeah. I don't know that he was like the tightest draftsman, but he is the most um, imaginative um, layouts and choreography and like very, very cinematic and really ahead of his time. And um, yeah, he's awesome. I, I, I think I have a lot of um, cartoonist friends that are, were friends with him. So wow. I think I, I met him at the, I think the only Asian American Comic-Con in New York, like around 2009 and i think i became like facebook friends with him nice. he, he, he says some he said some like pretty wild shit on facebook i mean nothing too <laughs> crazy but he you know but, like like anyone else it's like they think they're just like talking to friends but then i i i don't know that they realize that i think you know some, some of those connections are pretty random and like <laughs> yeah you know, and i'm the same but i don't have that many uh, online friends but there's definitely some people I'm like oh I met this person once I probably shouldn't mm-hmm. be as open as I am with like some of these people who only kind of know me <laughs> but, um, yeah and I remember at one point he talked about like like culling the herd or whatever he's an our friend a bunch of people and I was like one of those people I remember checking like oh no I'm not friends with them anymore damn Oh. And, then, and then at a certain point, I was again somehow. Oh. I don't know. It's weird. So, social media is weird. Happy ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he unfriended me and friended me, but and why I should even care about that. Because <laughs> anyway. it's Larry Hama. It's yeah. true. He, he is a god amongst men. Yes. Yeah, he he definitely he definitely doesn't suffer any uh any fools on Facebook. If you oh, if you no. come to him with nonsense, he will uh he'll come, he'll 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 snap back at you and put you in your place. That that's pretty interesting to see at times. 
I do, I do love seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he created a whole universe. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing uh, what all he did. And you're right about the draftsman. Matt and I did an episode on the silent issue, several probably, maybe about 100 episodes back already. Mm -hmm. um, but we were just, I think both of us were just struck by how well the, the issue moved along and just how, his, how much information he fit into each page without making it feel cramped. It was, yeah. And didn't that happen by accident or something? Yeah yeah okay yeah there was somebody who either botched a deadline and they needed to get something done really quick so uh <laughs> they uh i think i know do you remember did he like i think it was do it days. all like in a, like a weekend or something like that yeah i think he did the whole issue in three days yeah wow. holy cow yeah. really it was yeah. some ridiculously short amount of time and i think he did he ink it too or did he just pencil it i uh, think he just penciled it though yeah i'd have to double yeah. check yeah so wow. it's yeah, it's a yeah it's a tour de force it's a comic that everyone even if you don't like comics should look at at some point in their life just to be like wow Three days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that, that that kind of stuff is always alternately inspiring and infuriating because you're like, yes. how do they do that? <laughs> but uh, have either of you ever been to the Museum of uh, Pop Culture in Seattle? No. No. They, they recently had this incredible Marvel exhibit um, where, I, you know, there was mostly inspired by like the Marvel movie stuff, but mm -hmm. they had this wealth, like this unbelievable archive of original art. And a lot of that stuff just moved me, almost moved me to tears seeing uh -huh. it, like because they had really historical pieces, like original, like the like the actual cover of like Giant Size X Men number one. Oh man! A lot of incredible Frank Miller stuff, like from his Daredevil run and um, the stuff he did on the Wolverine miniseries, and like things like just all these like amazing old original pieces of artwork. And I, I've been, you know, as much as I've been also rereading my old comics I, I took like maybe hundreds of photos at the exhibit exhibit you know just getting up close to the original and just seeing just it's it's so crazy how much gets lost especially with stuff that was printed back then mm -hmm. just how much artistry was put into um stuff that was almost ended up being like a photocopy of a photocopy by the time that it hit newsstands you know it like looked like the paper was printed on the way it was the, the old comics were published. When you look at the original art, like they, they even had stuff from that Steve Ditko did in the sixties, which when, when you look at the original art, it's like, it, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Like it looks as cool and particular as like the coolest, like indie comic you've ever seen. Like, it's weird to think that it was how Spider-Man started, but the way this guy drew, it's the most oddball kind of, just one in a million style. I don't know. That I wasn't kidding when I said I was I'd be rambling. So that's that this is me rambling. Sorry. Oh no, we, <laughs> we we've gone in many interesting uh many interesting uh lanes here. We've gone to to music, uh nineties grunge bands, uh indie yeah. rock bands. So no, it's it's been an awesome episode. No, it has been and but we we don't want to keep you uh you know and uh but this has been awesome and we really do hope you you make more comics or at least agree to come back on the podcast to talk more comics at for sure point. any any time and yeah but thanks for chatting and especially during quarantine times you know it's uh, yeah. much appreciated to just shoot the shit for a minute oh, yeah no it's, problem. Been, it's been awesome it really has yeah i was thinking when you when you were talking um i was kind of hoping that maybe this conversation would be sort of uh, another spark to, to to get you back in into that uh comics making mode so we can yeah, always keep we our fingers this to be like an, an intervention for you <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it i appreciate you even wanted to talk with me about whatever about comics music it's, it's been fun so thanks for reaching out Awesome. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, I know that you, you, you were saying that you were posting some of those G.I. Joe sketches uh, on your Instagram. Do you want to let people know what that Instagram is so they can check it out and see some of that art? Yeah, it's just uh, my last name, Arambulo. Uh, it's A-R-A-M as in Mary, B as in Boy, U-L-O at Instagram. And uh, 
I don't really use Twitter, but it's, you know, Jeremy Rambolo at Twitter. But you know, Twitter is, as everyone knows, is a hellscape. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and just my website, just jeremyrambolo.com. That's not really, a, a, probably the best way to um, say what's up is Instagram, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, we'll link, uh, we'll link to all of that stuff so anybody listening can uh, click over and, and check that out. And like uh, you guys was, you were saying, like, since we're all at home and, you know, Noah, Noah got to see that cool galactic sketch and it uh, brightened up his day a little bit. So hopefully uh, you can do that for, for a couple more folks out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, I apologize for all the rambling and uh, forgive me if you're going to have to edit uh, the 500 times <laughs> I went, um, uh, and stuttered no. and went on a tangent. No, no, dude. It <laughs> no was worries. awesome. No worries at all. Uh, we, we appreciated having you on. Um, anybody listening, if they could go on to the podcasting service they use and give us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, we're on Twitter at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructed Comics Pod. Facebook and YouTube is Constructed Comics. And we'll be back with another episode very soon. And I hope everybody is safe out there. Thank you.